Can we? Do you have a few minutes? There are a couple of things that I'd like to cover that we're following up from from previous episodes. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, one of them is uh, we talked in the first episode about the the touch bar on the the MacBook Pro, and you now have a touch bar. And I now have. I'm looking straight <laughs> at it. I have a touch bar. I've been using it for about two weeks. And uh, it's really interesting because uh, it bugs the crap out of me uh, every single day. <laughs> no. Oh, I'm yeah, and, oh, and I was hoping it was going to be the other way around. Uh, and it's actually bugging the crap out of me in, in ways that I hadn't imagined. Mm-hmm. So, it's, it's actually new. So, th- to, to start off, there is actually one thing that I thought it didn't do that it turns out that it does. And um, that's actually not as bad as I thought. So the escape key, we talked about the escape key and how the escape key is right up against the corner of the keyboard. And so when you want to find the escape key, you just kind of like pinky over to it and you kind of hook back in and there's the escape key. Well, as it turns out, the touch part, the I guess the touch sensitive part of the touch bar does extend almost all the way to the corner. And so that kind of pinky ability still occurs. Um, even though the escape like um, kind of region that's being drawn can only be drawn to maybe like, you know, half an inch away from uh, the, the edge of the touch bar because there's no display in that mm-hmm. portion of it. It's still, you get that kind of, that lit up kind of portion of the button plus everything from there to the mm-hmm. edge. So, okay. well done on that. I, I think that that's actually an improvement over what I expected it um, to be. So, let me let me ask you real quick. I don't know if you have noticed this, but so you've got that that uh, 1D bezel, right? Um, does that uh, does that bezel all count as the nearest pixel to the edge, or does it actually consider all of that uh, to be different touch areas just without a display behind it? Um, I'm I'm trying to see if I understand what you're what you're asking. So you're saying that, like, for instance, with the escape key portion of it. Is it is it treating the rest of the area that is around that all the way to the edge of the um of the the in this case the the touchpad as part of that same key? Is that what you're well, asking? Well, yeah. So so if you're defining a region that touches the edge of the of the bar, then yeah, everything beyond the edge of the display that's just touch touch sensitive without a screen behind it. Yeah, obviously that's going to be part of that button. But my question mm-hmm. is if you had a slider um that was say registering your finger position from 1 to 100 left to right. Um if you're actually moving your finger towards the edge, let's say you're going 99 99.9 100 is 100 at the edge of the screen or is 100 at the edge of the touch bar? Um, yeah, that is a good question. What I would do is I would probably make a 100 at the edge of the screen. And then as you continued on throughout the rest of the touch bar, it would also be a hundred. Yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking. So for instance, if I, yeah, if I touched just outside of it, um, it would scoot to a yeah, hundred the, the way that I would extent. Expect. Yeah. Yeah. Let- and I think that that may even be, I, I haven't been using the slider parts much. That's part of what bugs me. Um, but uh, the the I've I've got it so that it just displays the equivalent to the keys that were there before. The function keys. Exactly. And um, you know when I hit the function button, 
Um, oh, I just noticed that they even do something even worse than what I oh, was no. expecting. Um, they switched to the F1, F2, which is another thing that I use uh, fairly often, and especially in things like Kerbal Space Program. Um, so here's the big the, the the big beefs that I've got with it. One is that the keys are never because I, I think of them as keys still. And they're never in the same place that I expect them to be. In fact, in its default um, configuration, they're not like fixed locations along the touch bar. They're placing them kind of the way that things are in the dock, where if something new shows up in the dock, it scoots everything aside. And that means that I can't have any sort of muscle memory mm. For where those things are supposed to be, I find myself, you know, doing volume up and down and brightness up and down a lot. It's actually something I do fairly commonly. And those things were always in a different place because if I'm in one program versus another, it's adding extra pieces that I never use because it's not a thing that I'm even using, but they just scoot everything around. And so it's like if the keyboard was like randomly changing its configuration depending on what program I was using. So that got annoying to the point where I actually went in and fixed the locations of the, the, the buttons that oh, are, so you can are do being that. displayed. Yeah. Now, here's something that I just noticed. When I press function, those buttons actually do shift slightly. Mm -hmm. So they're not actually in the same location and just displaying a new kind of key top. It's actually moving them a little bit to the left or the right. Sure. Which means that I can be hovering over the thing that I know should be F3, oh, no. and then it's actually going to move a little bit. And this is the thing that, that just gets me, is that I have to look now. I can't just kind of find the place that is where I know the, the mute key is. Mute key, super handy mm -hmm. key. I love it so much. But it's it's there, and it's kind of like, well, maybe eventually I'll get used to where it is. But I can't just kind of like find it with my finger and, and tap it the way that I would find like K with my finger and tap it or find delete with my finger and tap it. I have to look. And because I have to look, it means that this touch bar is interrupting me dozens of times mm. per day in the things that I'm doing. And while escape I've actually had less of a problem with because it is over in the corner and it stays in the corner and that's nice every other key that I'm I'm pressing up there is is bugging me in that way then there's the even worse thing that I I didn't expect I rest my fingers on the keyboard now I don't know how common this is in other people folks that I've talked to also rest their fingers on the keyboard but let's say I'm reading something and this, I do this on the bus all the time. On the bus for a long time, I'm reading a long document. I rest my fingers on the keyboard. And ordinarily, you know, standard key, you rest your finger on the top of the key, nothing happens. When I rest my finger and it happens to be on the keys, in quotes, that are on the touch bar, it activates those keys. And so I'll be reading and suddenly like the brightness goes way down. I'm like, what just happened? And I realize that my, you know, ring finger is on the brightness button. Oh, great. So I now have to undo that. Or I'll, you know, rest my fingers and random things will start happening because there are other like uh, um, function type keys of, you know, shifting the the the, the layout of the um, the windows 
or you know displaying the um, the list of applications or that kind of thing. Um, actually, uh, starting and stopping um, uh, playback on in iTunes, which I don't know if you've ever tried this, but if you're just kind of not doing anything, you don't even have iTunes open, and you just hit play on the play button on the keyboard iTunes is like I should play something yeah. and it picks something completely random yep. um, which means that I can you know be sitting and reading something and suddenly iTunes pops up mm. and it's like I will play you a song and I'm like I don't I didn't ask you to play me a song but I did because I'm you know inadvertently resting my fingers in that area uh, and that's again that's something that happens to me like half a dozen times per day mm. and is super annoying. So it it's interesting because I, I, I'm, I've actually reached the point where I would happily dig this thing out of the keyboard <laughs> and replace it with a row of keys. If a replacement row of keys were, were available. Yeah. It's, it's a real pity that it's not forced touch uh, so that it could ignore uh, the light resting fingers yes absolutely and that's actually something and we talked about it before the kind of the difference between the touch bar and the the touchpad the touchpad is beautiful in that way it is you know it's it's enormous which means that my hands actually overlap it most of the time but it's doing this great palm re oh, rejection it, and that kind of thing palm rejection so on on Apple laptops has always been amazing. Even from the very beginning, it's, it's just been amazing. Yes. And the only time that I run into that, and, and this is going to be a little bit personally embarrassing <laughs> is when I'm sitting on the bus and it's a big laptop. And so it's kind of wedged between the seat back and me, uh, which means that it's digging into my belly a little bit. My <laughs> belly will cause palm rejection. And so I can't, I can't tap on anything without like pushing the, the laptop forward. Oh, something something um, like that has happened to me. What what is it? Where it won't pay attention to my finger and it's because something's touching. Yeah. But no, I totally know that that experience. Exactly. Um but yeah, the um the the touch and touch and click and force touch as kind of the three levels of touch on the touchpad works so well. Mm and fool me, you know, perfectly <laughs> because I can be, you know, touching an area and tap on it. Not, not actually not even tap on it. Cause I've gotten out of the habit of tapping. I will click on it. And so I'll, I'll be moving around and click and it works so well. It feels like there is a little kind of mini button right under my finger, wherever I happen to be touching. And I know that that's not how it works. It's actually got a little, you know, piezo underneath and it like flicks it and, and kind of makes it feel like it's tap, uh, like it's um, pushing the button, but it feels so good. And it feel and it just requires exactly the around uh, the right amount of touch. And then there's that deeper force touch that I can use. And then the force touch, it feels like there's a second button under the first button. And it really does feel like that. It's, it's like that mental model is so complete that I can't, I can kind of convince myself that there's there's something else going on, but then immediately forget it again. Um, and quite honestly, I do think that that would help if the the touch bar was set up that way. To because that's the other thing that happens is I can tap what should be a button on the the touch bar, 
and there's no feedback. And because there's no feedback, and because, you know, with something like brightness, there's no additional feedback other than the brightness going up and down, I'm kind of like not really sure how far I'm pushing it. Mm. And so there's there's just a lot of really subtle interaction there that's just completely wiped out by this thing. Mm. Okay, any other follow-ups you wanted to do? Uh, the other follow-up that I wanted to do was really quick. Um, I, I have actually been listening to our episodes, uh, which I hope isn't weird, but it's the thing that I do anyway. And I listened to them at um, uh, 1.25 times and have found that um, uh, my voice is considerably less boring at that <laughs> speed. And so um, I'm going to recommend that to uh, anybody who's listening to this. Uh, listen at... Uh, 1.25 or one and a half. And, and then I talk like a normal person. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have to take a second to talk about my favorite, uh, uh, podcast app. It's called overcast. It's only for iPhones, uh, or for iOS devices. Um, but there's also a really good, um, web interface that looks just like the app, but allows you to, to share things from the app really well. And actually when I share, uh, podcast episodes with people, even if I'm on my computer, I'll go to overcast.fm, find the show, find the episode, and then share a link with the, you know, with the timestamp because their website is so good, uh, at playing podcasts. So, uh, if you do listen, uh, uh, on a, on a non, uh, non, the, the not Apple podcast app, uh, or if you're interested in getting away from the Apple podcast app, check out, uh, Overcast. And it's got really, really good settings for setting your speed. Um, so it's really fine grained. You can, uh, choose more than one, one and a half and two, cause one and a half is already too fast for most shows, um, but you can put it yeah. to 1.2, 1.25, and it and it really helps. And it, uh, Overcast will also um, remember uh, which settings you have for which shows, and you can have shows um, just inherit the settings from whatever came before, or they can reset the settings to their own uh, defaults. It's it's really fantastic. I'm not paid by them, and I, I 100% would take money. Uh, to shill for them more often. <laughs> like it's so it's such a great app. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. I've I've been using uh Podcruncher, which um does offer some of those uh some of those benefits, but also has some of its own wackiness. So yeah. I might have to uh try something new because I've I've also been listening to a lot more podcasts lately. So yeah. yeah. Uh the bus. I find overcast has a minimum amount of wackiness. Mm-hmm.